would invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. We are in a long section of the Gospel of Matthew uh, that covers the last week of Jesus's life. And we've been watching as in this last week that, that Jesus directly confronts the Pharisees and other leaders, the shepherds of Israel at this time. And in these chapters, there's been a lot of, of back and forth between Jesus and these leaders. And in the next couple of weeks, in uh, chapters 23 and 24, uh, Jesus continues his criticism of the leaders and where that has led Israel to at this time. Uh, there are two sections in this chapter. Uh, the first section in uh, Matthew chapter 23 is Jesus talking about the Pharisees in verses 1 through 12. And then in the rest of the chapter is Jesus talking to the Pharisees in verses 13 until the end of the chapter. And in that second section, uh, Jesus is, is talking to the Pharisees and he gives them a series of, of woe to you. And we don't really say that phrase very much. And so I was actually looking for some other kind of contemporary translations of how they translate woe to you. And there were no other ways to translate it. It was all woe to you. It's the only way that they could describe this, this Greek sense of distress to you or, or pain to you uh, for what is coming because of the way that you are acting. But we're mostly uh, for this, uh, this morning going to be focusing on this, this first section where Jesus talks about the Pharisees. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 1 says that Jesus turns to the crowds and to his disciples, and he begins to talk about them and about the ways that, um, uh, that they were leading people astray. And so with that introduction, let's, let's pray, and we will turn to God's word. Lord, I pray that we would hear today from you. God, in, in every area of our life where we may not be living with integrity where we may not living, be living in line with your will for us, where we may be living in such a way on the outside that does not, that tries to fool people into thinking about what's happening on the inside. Lord, in every way, God, would you bring us into alignment by your spirit, bring us in alignment with you and your will for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Going to read um, Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted." 
it's, it's difficult for us today, almost 2,000 years later, to really understand the force of Jesus' words in this chapter because we don't have Pharisees walking around today, at least not people who call themselves Pharisees. And I've grown up my whole life reading the Bible and believing that Pharisees were the bad guys, right? These are the guys who were against Jesus. And Jesus speaks so harshly against them sometimes that we get this idea that the Pharisees were just kind of like, um, like the villain in a Disney movie, okay? Like, you know, just kind of like a wrinkly face and a long beard and long robe and just this really dour sort of person. And it may be true that some of them were that way, but... What's important for us to know is that the Pharisees as a movement started for the purpose to call Israel back to faithfulness. The Pharisees were attempting to protect the faith of Israel by returning Israel back to the scriptures, by renewing right worship of God, and by calling people to live a holy life. That sounds pretty good to me. These are good things, things that we want followers of Jesus to do at Broadway. Let's call people back to the scriptures for guidance. Let's call people to right worship of God. And let's call people to live a holy life. If a Pharisee came to Broadway, we would be happy to have them here. But again, when we read the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and if you've grown up in the church, we think of the Pharisees as these bad guys. And of course, in the Gospels, they, they often are. But what I want us to hear today is that the Jewish people of the day, the crowds that would have been hearing Jesus say these words, they would have been shocked and surprised at his words. We have lost that surprise because of the distance between time and culture. Um, but the people who heard Jesus saying these woe to yous and warning them about the Pharisees, they would have been surprised. People, the Pharisees were people who were seeking to live a holy life and to call others to do the same. So I just want you to remember that as we think about these words that Jesus um, says to the Pharisees. But to the Pharisees, he says two things about them. First of all, he says that they lack integrity and they focus on appearance. They lack integrity and they focus on appearance. Their words and their actions do not line up with what's going on on the inside. And so when Jesus begins all of his woes to you, the title that he gives to them is hypocrite. And hypocrite is simply the Greek word for actor. The actor on a stage was called a hypocrite, not in a derogatory term. That was just simply the word for actor. And so Jesus says these Pharisees, they are going around and they are acting like they are on a stage. They are performing something for you. The Pharisees know the scriptures. They know what the Bible says. Many of them maybe had even had the whole Torah, the first five books of the, gospel, of, the, of the Bible, memorized. They knew the scriptures, but they were putting on an outward show of righteousness, even though their hearts were far from God. Jesus says that everything they do is so that people can see them do it. Their desire, the thing that they love the most, is the praise of people. What they love the most, what they desire the most, is the attention and praise of people, the status that they have because of Pharisees, the reputation that they have, the praise that they get from other people is what they love the most. 
And they did all of these things. They, they, they sought out these seats of honor and they wore this particular kind of clothing to make everyone know that they were holy. And they did this as an act, like actors on a stage. They were hypocrites. So Jesus says that these Pharisees lack integrity and they focus on appearance. Secondly, he says that they lack mercy. Jesus says that they heap heavy loads onto people's shoulders. What Jesus is referring to here is that the Pharisees and and the Sadducees over the years have developed all sorts of extra rules and regulations about how to live a life faithful to God. And the Pharisees would outwardly perform all of these roles. They were really good actors. They were really good hypocrites. And they would perform all of these extra rituals, and they would shame other people who did not fulfill them as well as they did. The Pharisees, they trafficked in shame. They knew that shame was a powerful way to get people to conform to what they wanted, and so they would shame people for not following the rules faithfully. They heaped heavy burdens on people's shoulders. Life is really hard. The burdens of daily life is really hard. Putting food on the table, caring for kids, physical sickness, distress, grief that we carry, all of that is hard. And the Pharisees would come along and make it a little bit harder. They would put heavy burdens on people's shoulders to carry. And so this is what Jesus is critiquing them for, that they lack integrity and they focus on outward appearance and that they lack Mercy. There was a a prophet named Ezekiel who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. And he saw that there was going to be a time where the Messiah would come and he would call the leaders of Israel, the shepherds of Israel, to account, and that the Messiah would then become the shepherd that the people needed. And I just want to read a little bit of Ezekiel chapter 34, where Ezekiel promises that one day there's going to be a Messiah who will come, who will be the shepherd for his people, and the kinds of criticisms that the Messiah will bring to the shepherds at that time. So Ezekiel chapter 34 talks about the good shepherd. Ezekiel says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. It's a very long and beautiful chapter, Ezekiel chapter 34. And in Matthew chapter 23 and 24, we're reading the beginning of the fulfillment of these words from Ezekiel. 
He is challenging the shepherds of Israel and saying that I am now going to become the shepherd who calls the the sheep to me and who cares for the sheep and who binds up their wounds. Jesus is the shepherd that all of us long for and the one that we really need. And he was the opposite of the Pharisees, right? He lived with integrity. There was perfect alignment between Jesus's words and his actions. The words that he spoke came from a heart that was pure and from a heart that desired only one thing to express love for his father in heaven. Integrity, alignment, an undivided heart is how Jesus lived. And this heart for his love for his father overflowed then in works of love, of mercy towards others. Rather than tying up heavy burdens on people's shoulders, what did Jesus say about the yoke that he offers to us? It's easy. It's light. And Jesus was so unconcerned with the praise of people, so unconcerned with having status and position, that he was able to go as low as he could go. He was able to bend his knees and to wash his disciples' feet. So unconcerned with appearances that he was able to endure a painful and humiliating execution on a cross. The cross was a death that was full of shame. Someone who was crucified was utterly humiliated. In addition to the physical pain of it all, they were usually hung up there completely naked. Their body exposed for all of the world to see. Think about this contrast between the Pharisees who wore clothes that demonstrated an outward holiness to people, to Jesus's wounded and naked body, exposed on the cross to demonstrate his perfect holiness that he offered to God. This is the shepherd that we need and that we have been given in Jesus. When we read Matthew chapter 23 and we hear uh, Jesus's harsh words about the Pharisees, there's a temptation for us to really cheer Jesus on here. Really give it to him, Jesus, you know, stick it to the man. But I think that we have to be really careful when we read this, that if that begins to be the spirit in our heart, that we are in danger then of becoming the Pharisee. The one that Jesus is saying, woe to you about. I think we need to be really careful about thinking that Jesus is always on our side. We need to be careful to not think that we are always speaking for Jesus and know exactly what Jesus would always think or say. And I think that this was part of the Pharisees' problem. They knew the scriptures so well. They had devoted their time and their energy and their whole selves to understanding the scriptures that they thought that when they were speaking, they were speaking on behalf of God. They were speaking for him. I came across a poem uh, a couple months ago that I haven't really been able to stop reading or thinking about. Uh, The poem is called, I Feel Sorry for Jesus. And I won't read the whole thing because it can be a little bit confusing and maybe even a bit offensive if it's not read right and explained. But I want to read a little part of it, a few stanzas here that I think are really speak to the Pharisees and also can speak to each one of us and challenge us today. 
Uh, this poem is written by a woman named Naomi Shihab Nye. It's called, I Feel Sorry for Jesus. And this is part, a few of the stanzas from her poem. It says this, Cozily they tell you what he wants and doesn't want. As if they just got an email. Remember telephone, that pass it on game where the messages changed dramatically by the time it rounded the circle? Well, people blame terrible pieties on Jesus. They want to be his special pet. Jesus deserves better. And then she goes on. And she gets really excited in this part of the poem, and she says this, Jesus went into the desert, friends. He didn't go into the pomp. He didn't go into the golden chandeliers and say that the truth tastes better here. And then she stops herself. See, I'm talking like I know. It's dangerous talking for Jesus. You get carried away almost immediately. Jesus is such a powerful person that once we believe that he is on our side, we can very quickly say or do all sorts of things because we think we always have his authority on our side. And this was the Pharisees' problem. They believed that they were always speaking and acting on behalf of God. They believed that they had all of their religious and doctrinal and biblical ducks in a row. And once they had all of that lined up rightly in their heads, God was now always on their side. And they had the ability to speak for him. It's dangerous talking for Jesus. You get carried away almost immediately. Now you know the danger of my job. (laughs) Now you know the danger of being a shepherd in Israel. Why Jesus is so critical of the Pharisees here. We also know why, as we hear this, why the failure of Christian leaders that we've seen over the last 10 years, or maybe even before that, is so damaging and harmful to people's faith. Over the last three or four years, there's been a growing discussion about uh, deconstructing the faith in the church. And Lots of younger people who have grown up in the church are going through this process of deconstructing their faith. And by far, by far the most common reason that people give for going through this process of deconstructing their faith is because of the hypocrisy that they saw in their parents or in their church leaders. That's by far the number one reason that's given. There were people in their lives that believed that they were talking for Jesus and their words did not line up with their actions or worse, they claimed to be talking for Jesus and they used that to abuse and manipulate. A large proportion of people in our culture today who claim to be committed atheists, people who have decided that they do not believe in God at all, People who have, were people who have been hurt or disillusioned by people who claimed to be committed followers of Jesus, but who did not live with integrity to that claim. People that they saw or believed were in some way hypocrites. This is really important for us to know and to be aware of, especially for people like me, people in authority, 
people who have a title, people who others see as representing Christ. There's really nothing worse that can happen to a person spiritually than for someone who represents what is best, someone who represents Christ, to then use that influence to harm and abuse. There is nothing worse than that. And it's really hard to recover from, and the people who recover from that and still hold their faith are some of the bravest people in the world. It's really easy to read Matthew 23 and get really excited that Jesus has finally given it to the people who are our enemies. And I think the minute that we do that is the minute that we become the Pharisee. Do you remember the parable that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector who were both in the temple praying to God? Jesus tells this parable where the Pharisee is in the temple and and the Pharisee stands up in front of everyone and he thanks God that he is such a good man. He thanks God that God has given him the strength to be a good man and that he is not like that tax collector over there. But the tax collector, Jesus said, he stands far off and he beats his chest and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says that there is only one of these prayers that God really hears, only one of these attitudes that God will accept. And it's the one of the tax collector who beats his chest and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And all of this can be so subtle because the minute that we say, God, I'm glad I'm not like that Pharisee, is the minute that we've become a Pharisee is the minute we've stopped praying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so I just want to offer to you as we finish today, three practices that will go against our inner Pharisee. All of us have one. All of us are hypocrites. All of us do not live up to the ideals that we have for ourselves. Every one of us. And so how can we practice against this inner Pharisee that we have inside us? Three practices uh, very briefly. First of all, is to live with honesty with yourself. Honesty with yourself. To look at the parts of your life that you know fall short, and we try to do this most Sunday mornings to help us to practice this to think back on our lives of the places where we have fallen short of this ideal that we have for ourselves, and to be honest with ourselves and with God about that and to confess it and to admit it. If we are going to not live as Pharisees, we need to be living as people who are honest with ourselves, people who know that we are in desperate need of God's grace and mercy at every moment. Secondly, that we would live with mercy with others. Live with mercy with others. As Christians, there can sometimes be a lot of finger wagging and kind of like hips, you know, shoulder or hands on our hips about the world out there. And I think we need to be people who demonstrate mercy always to the people who we most disagree with, to the people who are most lost. We need to be people who demonstrate mercy with others, to be people who are known as people of mercy because we know how much mercy we have received so that the world would know us as people of mercy. And then the last practice is this, to live 
with secrecy with God. And, and what I mean by that is that while the Pharisees did all of their good work so that people would see them, that you would live your life and to do your good work in secrecy with God. That, that the offering that you brought today would be offered in secret. That no one else would know. That the, that the kind thing that you do for people on a, on a week in and week out basis would not be so that other people would see how great you are or how great Broadway Christian Church is or how great the ministry that you're a part of is, but simply that God would see. Consider day by day or week by week what it would mean for you to do your works of righteousness in secrecy, in quiet, so that nobody else knows. I think that that is a practice that really kills this inner Pharisee in us that wants everyone to know how great we are. Honesty with yourself, mercy with others, and secrecy with God. I think that these are three practices that can help us overcome this inner Pharisee that Jesus challenges us with here in Matthew chapter 23. Let's pray. God, we do, we do confess our own self-righteousness. We confess our own hypocrisy. We confess the ways that we look around and compare ourselves to others and make ourselves feel better because we're not as bad as that person. God, would you help us to really receive who we truly are, not so that we walk around in shame, but so that we can know fully the mercy that you've given to us, the grace that you've given to us, that we would truly know that we are, that we really are as, as bad and evil as we think we are, but that your grace and your love overcomes all of that that we would hold both of those truths together, that we would know that good news, that you came to save and rescue us and offer us your mercy. Amen.